Thank you for joining us this week on the Troop Church of God podcast. You can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or go to our website at www.troopchurch.com to hear the latest content. I'd like to speak to you this morning. Praise the Lord. On the subject, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? In 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9, a great prophet killed the prophets of Baal, coal fire down from heaven. But he got a message from Jezebel that she was after him and she was going to kill him. And the story reads in 1 Kings 19 and 9, And he came thither into a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains, and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice that said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Why are you in a cave? What are you doing here? Why are some of us in a cave? Elijah got off course. Have you ever asked yourself this question? What am I doing here? Whether it's in regard to your home, your church, your job, your life. What are you doing here? What's going on? Where am I going? Have you ever asked yourself that? Have you ever considered God for advice? Have you ever considered God for direction? Have you ever considered God for counsel? Have you ever asked God, what are your desires? God, what are my desires? What are my longings and what are the stirrings in my heart? that you placed in my spiritual DNA when I was conceived in my mother's womb. Do you know the Bible says that God wrote you down in a book? And he said your days are numbered. He knows you from beginning to end. Praise the Lord. After the still small voice, God spoke to Elijah and gave him some assignments to anoint a king and to anoint the next prophet. 
Have you ever wondered what's your next assignment? Have you ever wondered where you're going in life? Have you ever asked God, what am I doing here? You know, it's possible to live every day and do the same thing over and over and over and expect different results, but it doesn't come. Elijah replies, watch this, communication. 1 Kings 19 and 14. This is after God is speaking to him and he's saying, what are you doing here? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord of hosts. Because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Amandoliah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. And then God gives a little anecdote. And by the way, Elijah, yet have I left 7,000 in Israel all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. By the way, you see, there was no large conversation here. There was no large communication here. Elijah was running from Jezebel in fear. And he thought, she's going to get me. And we run in fear, thinking, something's going to get us. Life is going to get us. Divorce is going to get us. Sickness is going to get us. Something's going to get us. I'm going to lose my job. Something's going to get us. And we run into some cave to hide and think, I'm all alone. But you're not. You're not all alone. Here's the problem. The problem that exists is that people don't inquire of the counsel of God. They don't. Ask yourself the last time you sat down and asked God for direction. Ask God the last time you sat down and asked God, what should I do? What's your plan? There's a lot of plans out there. People plan your life. Family plans your life. Health practitioners plan your life. Everybody plans your life. But God, what do you want me to do? What am I doing here? And Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 1 in the RSV version, it says this. Woe to the rebellious children, says the Lord, who carry out a plan but not mine, who make a league but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my counsel, to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore, Shall the protection of Pharaoh turn to your shame and the shelter in the shadow of Egypt to your humiliation? In the ESV version, it says this. Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan, but not mine. And who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction. 
In the first version, it said, my counsel. In the second version, in ESV, it says, my direction. And in the HCSV version, it says this. Woe to the rebellious children. This is the Lord's declaration. They carry out a plan, but not mine. They make an alliance, but against my will, piling sin on top of sin. They set out to go to Egypt without asking my advice. You know, you've heard the pastor say this when the president was elected. I said that the window was open, the window of grace. That God was going to give us a season of respite. Because he put his person in the White House. But that also pertains to us spiritually. You see, a lot of people's window isn't open. It's closed. It's closed for new teaching. It's closed for healing. It's closed for deliverance. It's closed. It's like the parable of the sower. We might hear, but we don't really respond and accept. The window is closed. Have you ever tried to convince someone of something that you know for true? But they look at you and say, that's not for me. I'm not going there. And you want to tell them that what you're saying to them works because God is behind it. But they'll brush you right off and say, well, that works for you, Pastor, but it doesn't work for me. It's sad. You know, as you get older and you learn things about life, you learn through trial and error. You learn through trial and error. And if you don't pay attention and stay on point, the trial and error will take you to a place where you don't want to go. Because few people ask God for counsel. Few people ask God for direction. And few people ask God for his advice. The God that made us, the God that created us in our mother's womb, the God that knows your life from beginning to end is the God that we shun, is the God that we push away thinking that he doesn't know best for me. But yet you look at millions of people and their best thinking got them where they are this morning. And when you try to introduce something different like the gospel or like Jesus, they fight you. They don't want to hear it. Don't rely on your understanding, but rely on the understanding of God. We quote this scripture all the time. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, in all thy ways. And he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You know, sometimes people get too smart for themselves. Sometimes people get too intelligent for themselves. But the Bible says to trust in the Lord which means to have confidence in Him. 
that you feel secure and safe on what he's going to say to you and how he's going to lead you. It says trust in the Lord with what? With half of your heart? With a quarter of your heart? With your window of your heart closed so that you're not open to what God wants to speak? He says with all your heart, which is your inner man, your mind, your will, your soul, your thinking, your reflections, your inclinations, your resolves in life, your determination with all your heart, your conscious understanding, your emotions and your passions. Let's just trust in the Lord with all of this. Let him speak to that inner man and do what? Lean not unto thine own understanding. Lean not to your own wisdom, your own knowledge, your own discernment, and your own intelligence and insight. God's not saying throw your brain in the garbage pail. But God is saying to allow your brain and your conscience and your inner man to be inspired by the spirit of the living God. So he can direct you. So that we're not tricked and we're not fooled. But you have to have the window open. I said you have to have the window open. And a lot of times we close the window to the teaching that God wants to give us. He says in all thy ways. Does it say just in some? Does it say just pertaining to my home or my marriage? Does it say maybe just pertaining to my job? It says in all thy ways, your course of life, the way you go, the road you travel, your journey, your manner of life, your moral character, in all thy ways do what? Acknowledge who? Him. Acknowledge Him. Perceive Him. Know Him. Accept Him. To see what He wants to say to you. Sometimes I like to ask people and say, what's the last voice from God that you heard him speak to you? And what did he say? What was the last communication? Maybe you were shut up in that cave. Maybe you're in flight from your Jezebel. Maybe you're hiding out somewhere. You know, I heard... Someone say this in a film, I don't know if I can quote it directly. Talking about saying to the person, you're hiding from other people. But the person turned around and said this also, but you're hiding from yourself. You're not only hiding from other people, you're hiding from yourself. You're in a cave. And you need a direct communication from God to speak to you, not through the wind or the fire or the earthquake, but in the still small voice as you sit down from the busyness of life and meditate upon God and seek him early and you will find him and he will speak that still small voice against every prejudice that you have every rebellion you have, every stubbornness you have. 
We think we're so smart. Listen. He says, acknowledge him and he will do what? Direct thy path. You ask people, well, what's the will of God for your life? I don't know. Well, have you ever inquired? I mean, when they used to have full-service gas stations and the attendant used to put gas in your car, you didn't pull into the gas station and keep the window closed while he was knocking on the door, the window, and saying, Sir, would you like me to fill it up? And you just sat there. He has no idea what you need. He knocks on the door and he says, Sir, would you want $5, $10, or do you want me to fill it up and check your oil? Hard to believe they used to do that. Yeah, wash the windshields too. Yes, sir. If you don't open the window, you're not going to hear the communication. And you're going to be in the dark. And you know what? It's possible to live this entire life and stay in the dark. You've seen people in the dark doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. What kind of life is that? There's no excitement, there's no expectation, there's no vision. Because they're not allowing God to direct what? Their path. You see, the word direct means agreeable. The word direct means to be just and upright. God is not going to direct you to some place that's not agreeable to Him. He's not going to lead you. Your path is your journey. It's the highway that you're traveling. And He wants to keep company with you. But we exclude Him. We just accept what people tell us. Here's what people do. I'll go to the internet to find my answer. I have a pain here. Let me go to the internet because they know why that pains me. If you're over 50 years old, be careful on the internet because they'll tell you don't eat these five foods. Don't eat these five vegetables. Don't do this and don't do that. And you know what? People go away from the internet thinking that's gospel. That's God. Listen, I'm telling you what I know. They heard it on the internet. I saw a video. Well, one, wonderful. How about God's video? How about God's word? How about God's advice, God's direction, God's counsel? How about that? Oh, no. This guy's a doctor. This guy's an expert. This guy has a PhD. And what's your point? That's right. come on, come on. That what he says is gospel truth? Or is it what God says? And we're missing out. And we wonder why things aren't happening. Because what does the Bible say? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. And be wise not in thine own eyes. Don't be so shrewd. That's what the word wise means. Don't be shrewd and crafty and cunning. Don't be wily, which means sly and devious and scheming and sneaky and subtle. You're not going to get by. None of us are. Because God is a true and just God. And we think we're slick. We think we're shrewd. That we could maneuver our way through life without his direction and without his company. What's God saying? 
Depart from evil. Depart from cunningness. Depart from all that nonsense. If the church is going to be the church that God wants it to be in America, we're going to have to get back to God's counsel and advice and direction. Because if we lean upon our own understanding, we're going to fail. It's not going to work out for us. Individually, collectively in our life, your marriage will fail. Because if you don't base it on God, except God build the house, you labor in vain. That's what the word says. You can't get away from that. The Bible says, husbands love your wife, even if she doesn't love you. Husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church. Who wants to hear that? We don't want to hear about marriage. We don't want to hear about husbands loving their wives or wives respecting their husbands. We don't want to hear that because that's not on the internet. You're not going to find that on the internet. You're not going to find that in Google because that's old-fashioned. That's dinosaur preaching. Isn't that sad? That half the marriages in America that fail and more marriages in the Bible Belt fail than in the secular world, in the Bible Belt, where there's churches on every street corner. You know why that's happening? Because people are not laying the foundation in their life upon the Word of God because they want to fight it. And you know what? You could fight it all the way from here to tomorrow and you will fail. I guarantee it. just a matter of time. You can't build your house on sand. You must build it on God's word. What's God saying? God wants to reveal to you his mysteries for your life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, and boy, do people fight that one. Because they don't know the word of God. They don't know the doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit as opposed to the doctrine of the gift of tongues. They just ain't want to stay ignorant. That's not for me. Okay. So here's what God is offering us. He says, For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. So when I'm praising God in the unknown tongue that he's given me, which is through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm not speaking to men, I'm speaking to God directly. And the enemy cannot intercept that spirit or that language. Listen to what it says. For no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. Have you ever come to a place in life where it's a mystery? You don't know what direction to go. And we all come there because that's the place of trust. That's the place of not leaning upon our own understanding. And so we come to this crossroad in life and we have to say, Lord, I have a mystery here for you to solve. And this is not a mystery for Lieutenant Colombo. This is a mystery that God wants to solve for your life. But you know why people cheat themselves? Because they're fooled and deceived by a spirit that says, oh, you can't speak in other tongues because that's just a gift for the spirit, a gift for the church. It's not. Because you don't know the word. Here's what the word mysteries mean. Hidden or secret thing. It means generally mysteries, religious secrets, confided only to believers. A hidden or secret thing, not obvious to the understanding. 
a hidden purpose or counsel. The secret counsels which govern God in dealing with the righteous, which are hidden from ungodly and wicked men, but plain to the godly. What's God saying here? God's saying, I want to give you revelation. I want to give you direction. I want you to hear my voice as I spoke to Elijah and said, what are you doing here? You're wasting time and you're wasting your life in this cave. And the Lord has given us, as it was prophesied by Isaiah, that we would speak in new tongues and with stammering lips, that it would be our rest. And on the day of Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Spirit fell because Jesus went back to his Father. And God is saying, I'm giving you the opportunity to speak to me directly by a spirit language that I will give you personally that you can get in touch with me. Amen. Amen. Oh. My grandma didn't teach me that. my, my, My grandma, she'd be rolling in the grave if she knew I was a Pentecostal believer speaking in tongues. Let grandma roll. Maybe she'll get it down there. Who knows? If I have mysteries in my life, I want God to reveal the mystery. I don't want to be sitting in a chair sucking my thumb and saying, what am I supposed to do? God wants to lead us by His Spirit. Those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons and daughters of God. Mysteries. God desires to answer our questions. And you know what most people do? They answer their own questions with their own understanding and without the understanding of God. Again, like the children of Israel in Isaiah 30, they become rebellious and they say, I don't need that, Pastor. Okay. Come back in a few years and tell me how you made out. Tell me how your marriage made out. Tell me how your kids make out. Tell me how your life makes out. Because God is in the business of continually revealing himself to his people. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God, and that's daily. You get mail every day. I said you get mail every day. Every time you open up this book, you get mail every day. And there's always something new to learn from God's word that can give you comfort. Haven't you ever woke up in the middle of the night in a panic attack? Haven't you ever woke up in anxiety? And the world was spinning around? And you got up out of your bed and you went downstairs to your favorite chair and you put on that little light and you open up the Word of God and almost instantaneously, just by reading Psalm 23, things changed. Peace came. You allowed the window to be opened so that God's spirit and breath could come into your life, into your inner man, and say, peace be with you, and peace be still. And the wind ceased. The wind ceased. The rain stopped at that moment. God, and the Bible says in Ephesians 1.15, look what God wants to give us. He says these words, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith for the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, he's talking to the church at Ephesus, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, 
may give, listen to this now, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Oh boy. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. That's a sermon right there. Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus and he's saying, you know what? I've heard of your faith. I've heard of your love for God. I've heard how you follow him. But I've got good news for you. God wants to give you further wisdom and revelation and give you understanding concerning your calling. Most people are just walking around in circles. Most people are trying to throw paint at the wall and hoping it's going to be the Mona Lisa. It's not. Reality, my friend. We're only going to get the wisdom and revelation and knowledge and advice and direction and counsel from God when we seek Him. We can ask each other for advice, and that's wonderful if God leads you there. But first, we must go to Him. He's a jealous God, my friend. And when we don't inquire of Him first, Everything else is going to falter and fail. That's right. God has an answer for everything. If you just read the book of Proverbs, you'll find the answer to everything in life right in Proverbs. It'll tell you whatever you need to know in the book of Proverbs. What's God saying? He's saying this. Here's what's going to happen. The enemy comes to try to steal God's will from your life. This began when you were born. This began when your mother gave birth to you. The enemy was there and so was God. And the fight for your soul began. The enemy said, he's mine. God said, no, he's mine. The enemy said, she's mine. God said, no, she's mine. I've determined her life. I have laid out all the days of her life. I have given her a spiritual DNA. I've given her a purpose or him a purpose. But the enemy comes. And you know why the enemy succeeds? Because we give the enemy legal right to our soul. Listen, this is a legal document. This here. When we violate this document, God does not have to protect us. When you speed, the policeman has the right to give you a ticket. When you blow a red light or a stop sign, he has the right to give you a ticket. He doesn't have to protect you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so you want to find out God's will. You want revelation. You want wisdom. You want the answers to the mysteries of your life. So here's what the enemy does. He's going to try to get you to sin. Because he knows this. The enemy has no legal right as long as you follow God. He can't give you a ticket. He can't give you a summons. And he can't bring you to God's court and accuse you because he is the accuser of the brethren. I said he is the accuser of the brethren. And if he tries to drag you to God's court, 
God says, he's the redeemed. He's my child. I see the blood of Jesus. So there's no accusation here. You have no legal right to touch my son or to touch my daughter. When we step out of the will of God and we sin, the enemy has every right to play with us like a cat plays with a mouse. Follow the teaching. No accusations or plans spoken against us can legally prosper in God's throne room. I want to say that again to you. No accusations or plans. And he will come. He will accuse you. He'll bring up junk that you did 20 years ago that's under the blood of Jesus Christ. He'll bring up your past. He'll try to drag you through the mud once again. You'll wake up in the middle of the night and think about, whoa, what I did 20 years ago. Who brought that thought to you? It wasn't God, my friend, because God forgets, hallelujah, the sins that we have praised God, given to God, he puts in the sea of forgetfulness. So you've got to discern who's talking to me, who's accusing me, who's telling me I'm a bad person when I know I'm in Christ. You've got to know the word. You've got to be able to fight in the court of God. You, you have to know the word legally. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper as long as I am in legal standing with God. And every tongue, what's the devil, a person, someone has a grudge, someone trying to put a curse on you. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. In the name of Jesus Christ, you have no power over me. This is the heritage of the saints, of the Lord, and their righteousness of me, saith the Lord. What, what's a weapon? No instrument that's plotted against you. No armor of the enemy. No machination of the enemy to consume you. To put an end to you. To determine your end. To finish you off. To completely take you out. To cause you to fail. To cause you not to accomplish this is the weapons that he wants to throw against us. He wants to cause you to faint and to be destroyed and to go back in some cave and hide like a little kid. Because the bully is outside. But you don't have to be worried about the bully if you're in legal standing with God. You don't have to worry about the lion in the street because if you're in good standing with God, the lion of the tribe of Judah will come and devour that lion that's trying to kill you. But if you don't know the word and your window isn't open, you're going to be deceived and seduced. And the enemy is going to have a legal right against you and take you to a place where you don't really need to go. Follow what I'm saying, my friend. No weapon formed. What does that mean? It means whatever is going to try to cause you to be distressed and cramped, to be narrow, to be limited. So many people are limited. They live negligible lives. They, they, they live lives of mediocrity. They can't stand themselves. I said there's some people that can't stand themselves. Because they haven't asked God about the mystery. They haven't asked God about the counsel that he wants to give them. That Paul spoke about to open up their eyes of understanding. Open my eyes, Lord. We sing that song. Open my eyes. Open my heart. What do you want from me? Where, do, where am I going? What am I doing? It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what season you're in. God has wanted to continually speak to us. Follow me for a few more moments, would you? 
God doesn't want us to be inadequate, insufficient, meager. He doesn't want us to be in a straitjacket. He doesn't want us to be cramped and besieged and encircled and surrounded by the enemy of our soul. No weapon formed against thee shall prosper. You know what that word prosper means? God says, I'll cause it not to rush and overtake you. I'll cause it not to make progress. I'll cause it not to succeed. I'll cause it to be not successful. You see, when we're in legal standing with God, we can come to God and we can say, Lord, the enemy, and we all have the enemy, is trying to consume me and take me out and take away my hope and my joy and my vision and my zeal for life. I can't be reduced to a person of mediocrity. I don't want to dry up and shrivel like a prune spiritually. God says, if you're in legal standing with me, it won't come to pass. Oh, the enemy will fight you. He'll try to hinder you. And at times he does. But that doesn't mean that he will be successful. And you know how I can prove that to you? Because all of you that are sitting here under the sound of my voice wasn't born today. You were born some years ago. And on that journey of life, you met Jesus. And when you met Jesus, listen now, life started going in a different direction. It didn't mean that you did not experience trials and tribulations, and some of them very fiery, Peter says. David said, many are the afflictions, but here's the good news, that you have come through all of that, not because of you, but because of the legal standing that God has given you in his throne room, he has pulled you through each one, no matter how painful some of those were, and they were painful. You sit here this morning listening to the old preacher preach the word of God and looking back on your resume with God and you're saying to yourself right now, how many times did God pull me out of the pit? Come on, my friend. Think about this for a moment. Think about it. You see, see, this is what we got to speak to the enemy. You see, when he comes and tells you about the apple you stole out of the country store when you were seven years old, you can go back on your resume because we're all adults here and say, you know what? My life was wrecked one time. My life was in a pitiful state. You talk about a cave that Elijah was in. Lord have mercy. Some of us were in a, in a deep recess. It's like we were in the ice age and we were frozen over and somebody melted us when Jesus came. Come on, my friend. God's not done with us. I said God's not done with us. What's God's desire? I, I want to teach you something here this morning. In the book of Esther, in Esther chapter 4, verse 11, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king into the inner court, who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter. 
that he may live. But I have not been called to come into the king's court these 30 days. And they told these words to Mordecai, Esther's words. Now here's what's happening. There's a guy by the name of Haman that wants to kill the Jews. Mordecai has a cousin, Esther. They're related. Esther became queen. She's a young girl. Vashti was taken off the throne. She wouldn't do what the king wanted to expose herself before men. And I really respect that she was willing to give up her queenship to not adulterate her body before men that the king wanted her to do. Just like the halftime Super Bowl. Yeah, come on, come on. Okay. But anyway, there's a problem here. There's a great mystery. The king, only if he holds out his scepter, can you come into his court. Thank God that we're saved. And when we go to the king's court, the scepter is always held out for us. Only because we're saved by the blood of Jesus. Not because of our righteousness, but because of the righteousness of Christ. That we are allowed at any moment of time to pray, to communicate, to call upon God. And say, Lord, I'm approaching your throne. And the scepter is available to you. Now, Lee, listen. The Jews are going to become extinct unless something happens. Mordecai, in verse 13 of Esther 4, says this. He said to, Aunt, to Esther, because Esther was saying, I can't go into the king's court. I haven't been there in 30 days. And if I go there and he doesn't hold up the scepter, I'm dead. He has a legal right to kill me because you can't do that. Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, think not with thyself. Not your understanding, Esther. Not your wisdom. Don't you try to solve this mystery on your own. Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, this was written in Esther's spiritual DNA this moment when she was conceived in her mother's womb. Because God knew she would be brought to this point in life at this time to make a decision to either go into the king's court or not. So she says, he says this, for if all together do you hold your peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. God will save them, but not through you. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed, and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I love that. Because I apply it to my own life. And you should apply it to your life. I'm here at this time for a purpose. I'm here at this time in history. I wasn't born in the 1800s. I wasn't born in the 1200s. I wasn't born in Jerusalem. I was born when I was born. And God spoke a purpose into my life when I was conceived in my mother's womb. Not just my eye color. Not just my hair color. Not just my physical body. But God spoke spiritually into me. And the enemy kept me off that road for 25 years. 
until God said, I'm calling you. I want to show you some mysteries, some revelations. Now follow this. Mordecai is saying to Esther, you have to go into the king's court and tell the king Haman's plot to kill the Jews. Hmm. In verse 15, then Esther bade them return to Mordecai this answer. She had to think about this. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise and so will I go into the king which is not according to the law and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. God gave Esther revelation. God gave Esther advice. She didn't just speak haphazardly back to Mordecai. She got direction from God. What should I do? This is humongous. The line of Jesus can be interrupted here. The Jews can become extinct. I'm one person, God. And I'm a young person. She probably became queen when she was 16 to 18 years old. And now she finds herself in a predicament of having to stand up for God and for the Jewish people and actually risk her life. That she could perish going into that court of the king if he does not raise that scepter. She prayed. She sought God have an answer to the mystery. Esther risked her life for the cause of her people. And Esther chapter 4 verse 1. Now it came to pass on the third day that Esther put on her royal apparel. I bet she was nervous. I bet she was frightened at times. And stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house over against the gate of the house. And it was so when the king saw Esther. You see it. The king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight and the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Can't you hear Esther go, I'm in. I'm in. Okay, God, I'm in. I'm here. I see the scepter. The king has observed me. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. It's all queen. It's okay. Come on. Then said the king to her, What wilt thou, Queen Esther? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? What will thou? What do you need? She's not in the cave. She's in the throne room of the king. 
And he's asking her a pointed question. Look at the question. What wilt thou, Queen Esther? Question mark. And what is thy request? Question mark. It shall be given thee to half of the kingdom. Wow. Esther must have been saying, I'm praying for a blessing, God, but this is out of sight. This is crazy. This is just beyond what's God saying to us in the word. Exceeding great promises. Exceeding beyond, above what you can ask or think. We haven't even tapped into the promises of God. Because we stay in the cave too long. And you know the rest of the story. Haman that was trying to kill Mordecai. But one night, the king couldn't sleep. And he woke up out of bed and the Bible says, so that night the king couldn't sleep. And he went through the log book of all the things that were taking place. And he recognized a name, Mordecai. And he said, who's this Mordecai? And his attendant said, he's the man that revealed the plot to assassinate you, king. And the king said, and haven't we rewarded him? The only way I found out about this is I couldn't sleep last night and I decided to read, not to read his digest, but the log book. So he brings in Haman, who hated Mordecai because Mordecai would not bow to him. And the king says to Haman, how would you honor a man who basically saved your life? And Haman has got his chest out like this thinking, I'm going to ride in the king's chariot and I'm going to ride in the king's horse and I'm going to get the king's robe. And Haman lays it all out because he thinks it's for him. But little does he know the gallows is waiting for him. The gallows that he built to kill Mordecai and hang him. And Haman says, well, you should let him ride your horse and all the robes and all this. And he said, call in Mordecai. Who? What? Surprise. Mordecai. Yeah. You see, Queen Esther arranged a dinner. And she invited Haman to the dinner with the king. And basically the dinner turned out to be this. You're the man that plotted against Mordecai and the Jews. And you're the man that's going to be going to the gallows. And the king said, hang on. Don't worry, your sin will find you out. Don't be foolish, your sin will find you out eventually. The enemy will hang. He'll destroy you. He'll kill you. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy you. So let me close. What's God's design and plan for your life? Well, I read in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Tuck that word in your heart for a moment. Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 11. And whom also we obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. There's that word purpose. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 11. 
according to the eternal purpose, which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you know that God placed an eternal purpose in your life? Listen, for Esther, it was that one moment. For you, it might be that one moment. For me, it might be that one moment. We don't know. The purpose of God is to do His will every day, daily, of course. But for Esther, it was that one mystical moment to save the Jewish people from extinction. As I close, Paul spoke to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. He said, Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. What's your purpose? Do you know your purpose? You say, well, Pastor, how, how, how can I know my purpose? Praying in the Spirit especially. Praying what direction? It doesn't mean that God is seeing that your job isn't your purpose or your purpose isn't to be a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter. It's not saying that. God is saying, I want to give you so much more spiritually. I want to give you so much more satisfaction and fulfillment spiritually than you have right now. And if that is a particular course that God is going to put you on to do a particular work or do his will for his kingdom, so be it. But as Martin Luther King said, if you're going to be a street sweeper, be the best. If you're going to be a husband, be the best. If you're going to be the wife, be the best. If you're going to be a child, be the best. If you're going to be the preacher, be the best. If you're going to be a church member, be the best. That's all he's saying. But I'm saying this morning through God's word, there's so much more that God wants to offer us. There's so much more that God wants to give us. And we're not receiving it. Because we're leaning to our own understanding. And not getting three things from God. Counsel, advice, and direction. And when we seek Him for those three things, I guarantee you that God will give you His counsel, His advice, and His direction. And your life will feel fulfilled knowing that you can go into the throne room of God and touch the tip of that scepter. And God will recognize you by name. By name. Because when you were conceived in your mother's womb, He conceived you. And He knows exactly where you are and where you are going. All He's requiring of you at this moment in life is to come out of the cave, asking you a question, and what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And then He wants to speak in the still small voice, and like Elijah, perhaps, give you an assignment. Thank you for listening to the Troop Church of God podcast. For more information on our church and ministries, go to www.troopchurch.com.